0: A
1: new day
2: Hear
3: his
4: word and pray the morning show. And a way to start
3: your day
5: It is Friday, the 22nd of December. Let's begin this hour in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord come and reward your people's hope. Your birth was announced by the prophets strengthen those reborn in you. You came to heal the contrite of heart, deliver your people from their sorrows. You came to bring life to all the lowly, the afflicted, and the poor, console the childless, the aging, the hungry, and the oppressed. God, our Father, you so love the world that you sent your only Son to bring life to those doomed to death. Raise up in Him all who long to be delivered from the oppression of sin and death. We rejoice in hope as we look forward to the celebration of His coming, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Friday morning as we are in the home stretch of the season of Advent. So we got... Advent tomorrow on the 23rd. Next thing you know, it'll be fourth Sunday of Advent in the morning, Christmas Eve at night. So glad you're spending your last little moments of Advent uh, with us here on the radio. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, Joe Heschmeyer will be along uh, from Catholic Answers. Rita Heikenfeld uh, has some more tips from the kitchen for a festive holiday recipe uh, she'll also talk about the 12 days of Christmas and their symbolic significance. We'll get more translations of Advent readings and hymns with Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English and the Liturgy, and Father Hezekiah Carnazzo will be along from the Institute of Catholic Culture to preview the Sunday Mass readings for the fourth Sunday of Advent. Stay with us if you are able. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna with news.
6: Good morning. The U.S. is supporting a resolution being drafted by the U.N. Security Council that calls for a pause in the Israeli war to allow aid to flow into Gaza. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield said yesterday that the U.S. is ready to move forward on the resolution, which calls for urgent and extended humanitarian pauses in the fighting for a sufficient number of days to allow unhindered humanitarian access. The resolution also calls for a U.N. appointed coordinator to pre-scan all the aid going into Gaza. A vote on the resolution is scheduled for today. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem is saying the true meaning of Christmas is more important than ever this year. Vatican News reports Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa released a Christmas video message yesterday. He said God becomes flesh out of love and communicates to us a new way of being in the world which is to give one's life out of love for others. Pope Francis gave his annual Christmas address to the Roman Curia yesterday, taking up the theme of synodality and warning against what he described as ideological rigidity. From
0: Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni
7: reports.
0: Let us remain vigilant against rigid ideological positions that often, under the guise of good intentions, separate us from reality and prevent us from moving forward. The Pope said we are called to set out and journey like the Magi, following the light that always desires to lead us on, at times along unexplored paths and new roads. He encouraged those present to listen to one another and to others so they can evolve to truly offer service to the Catholic Church. And he noted that fearfully sticking to rules may give the appearance of avoiding problems, but only ends up hurting the service that the Vatican Curia is called to give to the Church. The Pope upheld Mary, whose open-hearted reception of the angel's message, serves, he said, as a reminder that true listening involves an interior openness needed to enter into a relationship with God. He recalled the example of John the Baptist, whose humility and courage allowed him to practice discernment, a virtue, he said, that frees us from the illusion of omniscience and challenges the temptation to perpetuate familiar patterns. Pope Francis also cited the teachings of the Second Vatican Council, noting that 60 years after the Council, we are still debating the division between progressives and conservatives. This isn't difference, he said. The real difference is between lovers and those who have lost that initial passion. The Christian faith is not meant to confirm our sense of security, to let us settle into comfortable religious certitudes and to offer us quick answers to life's complex problems. When God calls, he concluded, he sends us on a journey. He draws us out of our comfort zones, our complacency about what we have already done and in this way, he sets us free. I'm Linda Bordoni.
6: The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and China's top military official talked for the first time in more than a year yesterday. The Pentagon said U.S. officials hope the video teleconference could lead to a restoration of ties between the world's two biggest militaries. Air Force General Charles Q. Brown's office said the Joint Chiefs chairman and the head of China's People's Liberation Army touched on what were termed a number of global and regional security issues. The White House is responding to the migrant surge at the U.S.-Mexico border by sending some of its top brass. Trey Thomas reports.
1: Top Biden administration officials will head to Mexico in the coming days as there's a huge surge of migrants crossing the southern border.
3: Additional enforcement actions are urgently needed so that key ports of entry can be reopened across our shared border.
1: National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters the secretary of state and DHS secretary will meet with the president of Mexico. I'm Trey Thomas.
6: And the New York City townhouse from Home Alone 2 is up for sale. The Upper West Side home where Kevin McAllister outsmarted the sticky bandits at his uncle's house has been listed on Zillow for $6.7 million dollars. The home has been upgraded since it was featured in the film, and now has a wine cellar, a snack bar, and a private garden. Just in okay. case anyone's interested,
5: uh, it's probably lots of. It's still probably lots of traps in there.
6: I was going to say, I wonder if the sticky bandits would still try to.
5: You know what? I'm not a. Uh, I mean, call me an originalist. Um, I like A New Hope. I like Raiders of the Lost Lark. Lost Ark. Of the Lost Ark. Uh, lost Lark. Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. They lost that too. And I like, uh, I like the original Home Alone.
6: <laughs> I know you do, Chessie.
5: So, uh, yeah, anything after that. I actually am not very familiar with, uh, with any of the further Home Alone episodes. Does hmm. it involve uh, a kid setting lots of traps in a place for...
6: Yeah. I mean, generally speaking.
5: For Joe Pesci and the guy who played Brickma?
6: I mean... <laughs> I think it's still Macaulay Culkin.
5: Is there, like, a kind of an older person who's strange that the kid befriends? No doubt. Does uh, everybody kind of, like, realize uh, how much they miss their family at the end of it?
6: Yep, no doubt, no doubt.
5: Yeah, then I've already seen this film. It's called Home Alone.
6: Well, it's in New York.
5: Oh. Well, then, Anna Mitchell.
6: And apparently they're the wet bandits, not the sticky bandits.
5: In, in the regular Home Alone, they are. Probably hmm. just change things up for the movie probably driving Paul Lockman nuts you know this is the soundtrack to his childhood Home Alone 2 I know he's
6: he's looking rather downcast at your assessment of this movie oh well no he's not actually <laughs> oh today is Friday December the 22nd we are happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio it's eight past Joe Heshmeyer joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers and host of the Shameless Popery podcast, which you can find at catholic.com. Joe, good morning.
8: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
6: You bet. Okay, so we are going to talk about the Holy Innocents today, their feast celebrated in the church within the Christmas octave on December 28th and Since we're never live here on the Sunrise Morning Show, uh, I wanted to talk with you about them today, and we learn about them in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2. Verse 16 says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, was in a furious rage and had sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time which he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they were no more. Now, Joe, the church honors these children as martyrs, but one might wonder— how that could be possible if these children, two years old or younger, they would have had no idea who Jesus Christ was or had any idea why they were being murdered by Herod's men. So I think the first thing we need to get straight here is, what is a martyr?
8: Yeah, I mean, a martyr is one who's a witness for Christ. And so normally, you're right, a martyr is someone who they are so in love with Jesus Christ that they they give their life for him. Uh, but there's a sense in martyrdom in which the reality of good and evil is revealed. And in the holy innocence, that's also true. We see the, the horrible wickedness of Herod and of kind of the secular culture of the age, if you will. And so there is what's, someone's called the odium fidei, the hatred of the faith. Mm. And so these are, children who die for Jesus Christ, and so they're rightly regarded as martyrs. You know, all of us can say Jesus died for us. This small handful can say we died for him, and they join Christian martyrs across the ages in being able to say that, but, you know, know, you're talking about kind of looking ahead towards the octave of Christmas, and I would say that we get actually a really good, I guess you could call it a catechesis on martyrdom, because there's three feasts that are kind of back-to-back. You've got the Holy Innocents, who, as you've said, they are martyrs indeed, but not in will. They didn't decide to be martyrs, but they were. Uh, you've got St. John the Apostle, who is the opposite. He's totally willing to be martyred. He's, he's ready to put his life on the line for Jesus Christ, but he's the only one of the apostles who isn't martyred. And then you've got St. Stephen, who's sometimes called the proto-martyr. He's the first Christian martyr uh, in both will and deed. He's the first one to really consciously uh, put his life on the line and be martyred. So it gives us you know, a different way to think about how martyrdom works. So you have these three different models, if you will, of martyrdom, that there are times where you want to do a good thing for God. There are times where uh, you want to do a good thing for God, but you're not able to. And there are times where the situation is sort of thrust upon you. And so all of those things happen in small ways in our life and in big ways in the lives of these martyrs. So this is
6: possible, even though those chi- those children were not baptized.
8: Yeah, it's true. So this is sometimes called a baptism of blood. They die for Jesus Christ. They die actually before the institution of baptism, as well as in terms of the you know the creation of the new covenant. So there's never been a doubt that they were you know born from above mm-hmm. and were received into heaven. You know, no one was saying, "Well, I don't know if they're going to be able to go to heaven or not," because. They didn't live long enough to hear about baptism. No, there's no worries about that at all.
6: Well, Joe, how did their death reveal Christ as the new Moses?
8: Yeah, because if you remember, you know, the early chapters of Exodus, and you have this mass slaughter of the innocents then, this is eerily paralleled uh, here with the slaughter of, of the innocents. And where does Jesus go with his family? Well, he goes into egypt and then has to come back out of egypt and so it should be setting off all kinds of exodus alarm bells for us that okay uh, just as israel once went down into egypt to avoid a famine and then after this massacre of holy innocents back then uh, came up into the promised land well here jesus is fulfilling this in his own person even in his infancy there's the flight down into egypt and then the return to israel
6: So, Joe, I mean, this is all great, but some people may be thinking this is not fair to those poor children who were—I mean, obviously, we call them the holy innocents. They were completely innocent. Um, So can you talk about how this is actually an honor, a gift that has been bestowed on these children by Christ himself?
8: Yeah. I mean, there's certainly a sense in which this is tragic. Sure. And, you know, no one is saying Herod did the right thing here. Sure. And so we want to, you know, obviously honor that. And I think Matthew's gospel does a good job of showing the kind of horror of the event. But we can say at the same time, these are children who lived two years or less. And instead of living and dying in obscurity and dying of whatever disease of the age or of old age or whatever it would have been, they instead had this brief time on earth and then eternity in heaven. And are honored for millennia afterwards. It's it's actually an incredible privilege, you know. Even from a parent's perspective, the idea of losing a child is horrific. But the idea that your child would be honored for thousands of years, but more importantly, would be pleasing to God and, and spend eternity with Him in heaven, has to be of great consolation.
6: And as a reminder for our, all of us that that martyrdom is a grace bestowed on us. Yeah.
8: Right. This is not something we can earn or cause for ourselves. There was a controversy in the early church where you would have people who would try to be martyrs because they knew the high esteem uh, martyrs were held in in the church and in the eyes of God. And so if you go back even to a second century document like the martyrdom of Polycarp, there's a contrast between Polycarp who's willing to be martyred and eventually is uh, but then there are other people who rashly try to get themselves martyred. They, you know, turn themselves in and they they haven't been given the grace of martyrdom. And so it's really kind of horrific because these are people who end up apostatizing, who end up denying the faith under torture because Christ has not called them to this uh, particular way of, of showing the faith to the world. So, yeah, th- this is one of those things that we should bear in mind that martyrdom isn't something we earn it is at the end of the day a true grace from god
6: well thank you so much joe heschmeyer you can read more of his thoughts on this over at catholic.com i know many of you out on the roads today so let's take a look at weather across the nation there will be rain showers across the mid-mississippi river valley and great lakes region throughout the day the same storm system that's been plaguing southern california with drenching rain will move east and now bu- dump buckets of rain over the southwest. Extreme Southern California and Arizona will see the heaviest showers with the possibility of flash flooding. Rain will likely spread into Nevada, Utah, and New Mexico. In the Pacific Northwest, a cold front is sweeping in and bringing a lot of moisture with it. Higher elevations, especially in the Cascades, we'll see snow with accumulations ranging from a couple of inches to a foot by tomorrow morning. Lower elevations, the precipitation will be rain, potentially with some sleep mixed in. Rain and snow showers will spread into the northern Rockies during the evening and overnight hours. As for the rest of the country, folks can expect an overall dry and quiet day on the East Coast, Deep South, Great Plains, and Central Rockies. Back with headlines after this, it's 17 past.
1: Support is from Solidarity HealthShare.
2: Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs?
4: Join Solidarity Healthshare, a faith based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844 334 3245. That's 844 334 3245. Solidarity Healthshare. 844 334 3245.
5: Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew.
6: And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the Monks and the show.
5: If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store.
6: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
5: That's sunrisemorningshow.com
10: you a new listener to EWTN Radio? Welcome. We're here for you 24-7.
7: You'll hear live and interactive shows
5: throughout the day to answer any questions you may have about the Catholic faith.
10: There's trustworthy news from a Catholic perspective. And
11: a large selection of podcasts available at EWTN's Podcast Central.
10: And of course, the daily mass, prayers, and everything you need to edify your soul.
5: Welcome to EWTN Radio. We're blessed to have you with us. 19 past, here's Anna with headlines.
6: The US has said it will support a resolution being drafted by the UN Security Council that calls for a pause in the Israeli war for humanitarian aid to Gaza. Pope Francis gave his annual Christmas address to the Roman Curia, warning against what he described as ideological rigidity. And the Holy Father is sending the prefect of the dicastery for the service of charity to the Holy Land.
5: Anna Mitchell, just to come back to our Home Alone conversation, uh, you uh, may yes. know that uh, Pope Leo XIII was actually born Vincenzo Giacchino Raffaele Luigi Pecci. Pecci. A.K.A. Giacchino Pecci. Joe Pecci. Thanks, Matt. Although his first name was Vincenzo, so I think his friends called him Vinny. There you have it stuff you can't get. Oh man! It's 21 minutes past the hour. Business owners
10: are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com
11: That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. Job is one of the most recognizable names in the Bible. We are all familiar with his heartbreaking losses and his determination to seek answers from God. It's easy to overlook the fact that there is another who shares his losses. I'm talking about his wife. She remains unnamed in the book and has just a few lines. But we should admire her down-to-earth attitude as she struggles to understand what has happened to her and her husband. Like Job, she probably felt like wondering why God ever brought her into existence. Job, of course, moves on in his grief. And by the end of the book, he's ready to say that he now understands that everything is a gift from God. I would like to think his wife shared those feelings. She never speaks in the book again, but we do know she stayed by Job's side and that together they were blessed with ten more children. Her story of faith remains untold, but it was surely just as impressive as Job's. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Sheer.
5: It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. And this time of year, there are so many different ways to talk about food and tradition and story and family and wrap it all together. Rita, good morning.
12: Good morning, and you know how I love these legends.
5: I do indeed. Let's talk about the 12 Days of Christmas. Uh, this is a song that a lot of people don't realize. Uh, the 12 Days of Christmas start at Christmas. And uh, some people over the years have tried to figure out ways to make those numbers of those things match different things that relate to our faith. So if you could uh, set the stage for us a little bit.
12: Oh, sure. You know that that Christmas song, The 12 Days of Christmas, there's a legend um, behind it. And here it is. It's that the song was a sort of kind of secret catechism for kids um, that could be sung in public in England. Now, this is from like the 1500s, Matt, to the mid-1800s without fear of arrest, because uh, sometimes during those times Catholics in England uh, weren't permitted to practice their faith openly. And so the first one, the partridge in a pear tree, is, of course, Jesus. And then the true love that's mentioned um, in this song refers to God himself. And then the me, quote, unquote, receiving all the gifts is every Christian. And what I love is that there's a passage in Luke 13 about how uh, a bird wanted to keep her kids safe under her wings, sort of like uh, Jesus said to Jerusalem, how often would I have sheltered thee under my wings? as a hen does for chicks, but you wouldn't let me. So I love that passage as well.
5: Also, you know, you have the image of Christ, uh, you know, on a tree that is in every Catholic church, right? Uh, the, uh, The idea of the cross, the wood of the cross. I mean, there's so many layers to that analogy. But let's talk about the two turtle doves.
12: Oh, I love this too. The Old and the New Testaments. Doesn't that make sense?
5: There you go. There you go. Then we got three French hens.
12: Yeah, the three French hens, Matt, stand for faith, hope, and love. And then the four calling birds, those, of course, are the four Gospels.
5: All right. Now, out of all the things that you've said so far, I feel like you'd probably be okay with some French hens. Um, (laughs) But I'm pretty sure that if Frank set you up with five golden rings, you'd be a lot happier.
12: Oh, well, I think so, because I've already got the hens, and I don't have five golden rings, yeah. And um, the five golden rings uh, recall the Hebrew, which is the Torah, the law, the first five books of the Old Testament. So I love that, too. And then the six geese a laying stand for the six days of creation. So that's just such a visual there, too. And then the seven swans a swimming represent the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Including one of my favorites, which I'm still trying to achieve, is wisdom.
5: There you go. I need all the help I can get on that one.
12: <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and then
5: the, we get to the eight maids of milking. The eight maids of milking uh, represent the eight beatitudes. Uh, there are so many great ones in the beatitude. I think um, this time of year around the world, you know, you and I are able to uh, go to mass real easy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that there are so many Christians around the world for whom it is difficult, or they face persecution and opposition. So when I hear, blessed are those who are persecuted for uh, Jesus' name's sake, I always think of my brothers and sisters around the world who who don't have the freedom that we do here to worship Christ publicly.
12: Yeah, And that's a a great way to remember that, too. One of my favorites in the eight Beatitudes is, blessed are the peacemakers. um, Important now in this time, of course, too, because they— shall be called children of god again i think that's really um pretty appropriate for this time and then the nine ladies dancing are the nine fruits of the holy spirit and one of my favorites i want to know what yours is mine is joy this time of year
9: just joy
5: Uh, i'm going to go with patience (laughs) <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> i do that all the time the, yeah the fruits of the spirit yeah. Depend on the, the way i memorized the list was love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control and paul goes on to say in galatians 5 against these things there is no law there's no law against you being patience <laughs> isn't <laughs> you know, that the truth um how about the 10 lords of leaping
12: well those are so familiar those of course are the 10 commandments i mean Again, such a great analogy there. And then the 11 pipers piping represent the 11 faithful apostles. So. And then
5: the 12 drummers drumming, the 12 points of doctrine in the Apostles' Creed. And uh, rather than go through the whole thing, you should uh, go back and look at the Apostles' Creed and try and make it, turn it into bullet points, and you'll see those 12, those 12 things. You know, not a bad way to remember, basically, a whole bunch of important stuff about our faith by just learning one Christmas song.
12: Mhm, for sure, for sure.
5: All right. So you've got a pomegranate vinaigrette. Uh this is this is great cuz pomegranates are a fun fruit to eat this time of year. They look cool in like a Christmas like fruit basket. Uh but they also are biblical. And uh, my guess is that this pomegranate vinaigrette that you're going to suggest uh not only has some good like seasonal flavor to it, but probably also adds like some nice color to the table.
12: Oh, it's beautiful. Red, the pomegranate seeds are red and Really, really easy. Uh, You just take some pomegranate seeds, and if you don't have the seeds, you could use juice. Uh, Put all this in a blender. The pomegranate seeds, some olive oil, some maple syrup, lemon juice, and white balsamic vinegar or uh, just white wine vinegar if you don't have the balsamic. A big squirt of Dijon mustard, salt and pepper, and you just whirl that in the blender, and it turns a lovely pink. And depending on your blender, it'll be either chunky or smooth, real smooth. Um, It makes a lovely dressing for Christmas because you've got the greens and then the red. And then I've got, of course, a tip on how to remove the pomegranate seeds on my site.
5: You know, I've followed your advice on pomegranate uh, peeling (laughs) and seeding. Yeah. I'm getting better, but I still make an awful mess of it every time I try and do a pomegranate. So, but I love them. They're fun. Oh, yeah. They're so cool looking on the inside. But... Uh, We've got this recipe for pomegranate vinaigrette from Rita Heikenfeld. It's right there in the show notes, the whole thing, at sunrisemorningshow.com. Click on over to About Eating and say hello to Rita. Rita, Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you in the new year.
12: Uh, We sure will, and Merry Christmas to everybody at Sacred Heart Sunrise Morning Show.
5: Thank you so much. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news.
6: Good morning. The U.S. is now supporting a resolution that's being drafted by the U.N. Security Council, which calls for a pause in the Israeli Hamas war to allow aid to flow into Gaza. Ambassador Linda Thomas Greenfield said yesterday the U.S. is ready to move forward on the resolution. It calls for urgent and extended humanitarian pauses in the fighting for a sufficient number of days to allow unhindered humanitarian access. The resolution also calls for a U.N.-appointed coordinator to pre-screen all the aid going into Gaza. A vote on the resolution is scheduled for today. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem is saying that the true meaning of Christmas is more important than ever this year. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports.
2: Cardinal Pierbattista Pizzaballa in his Christmas message referred to the ongoing war in Eastern Europe, but in particular to the conflict in the Holy Land where he said... Since October the 7th, we have fallen into an abyss of hatred, resentment, revenge, violence and death, which have struck the Israeli society and now affect Palestinians. The Patriarch recalled specifically the humanitarian crisis unfolding in Gaza and also the hardships endured by the small Christian community in Bethlehem in the West Bank. In this dramatic situation, he noted, everyone is closed in their pain, while instead Christmas reminds us that God comes to us, makes himself present among us, and opens our hearts to meeting others and to recognizing the other as an important part of oneself. Cardinal Pizzaballa remarked that despite all the violence, we must not forget the true meaning of the Christmas message that God becomes flesh out of love and communicates to us a new way of being in the world which is to give one's life out of love for others. Saying yes to God, he said, means opening up to dialogue, reconciliation, forgiveness and friendship. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem therefore concluded the message by calling on the faithful in the Holy Land and across the world to raise their gaze beyond the pain and to see God's work being done. He is truly the Lord of history, of the personal history of each one of us and of the history of the world, he said. I am Lisa Zengarini.
6: Pope Francis is sending the Prefect of the Dicastery for the service of charity to the Holy Land as a sign of solidarity. Vatican News reports Cardinal Conrad Krajewski will spend Christmas with the local church in the region. A statement from the Dicastery says Cardinal Krajewski will join this great invocation for peace together with the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, Cardinal Zabala, and the entire local church to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and the only hope of our world, end quote. Pope Francis gave his annual address to the Roman Curia yesterday, taking up the theme of synodality and warning against what he described as ideological rigidity. He focused on the themes of listening, discerning, and journeying and said, quote, 60 years after the council, we are still debating the division between progressives and conservatives, while the real difference is between lovers and those who have lost that initial passion. That is the difference, only those who love fare forward, end quote. The Pentagon is making sweeping changes to its guidance for reducing harm to civilians from U.S. military operations. Trey Thomas has more.
1: Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin ordered the overhaul a year ago after a series of high-profile instances of U.S. military operations killing civilians in recent years. The new policy is aimed at considering risk to civilians as part of planning before a military strike occurs. I'm Trey Thomas.
6: The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and China's top military official talked for the first time in more than a year yesterday the Pentagon said U.S. officials hope that the video teleconference could lead to a restoration of ties between the world's two biggest militaries. Air Force General Charles Q. Brown's office said the Joint Chiefs Chairman and the head of China's People's Liberation Army touched on what were termed a number of global and regional security issues. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past.
2: The
5: Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew.
6: And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the Monks and the show.
5: If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store.
6: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
5: That's sunrisemorningshow.com.
10: Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at com.
7: The Baltimore Catechism asks, how many kinds of contrition are there? There are two kinds of contrition perfect contrition and imperfect contrition perfect contrition is when we're sorry and we hate sin primarily because it offends god who's infinitely good in himself and worthy of all love imperfect contrition is when we're sorry for our sin but mostly because of the consequences it has on us for eternity now very often when we sin it's difficult for us to think aside from ourselves because the nature of sin is that it makes us selfish Contrition helps us to be sorry beyond ourselves. And so then, well, even if we have imperfect contrition, that's still good enough because it helps us to move forward to see that God is in the picture. And so whether we have perfect contrition or imperfect contrition, it enables us to keep the faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
5: I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. Benjamin Lewis. He's Director of Translation Services at the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. Dr. Lewis, good morning.
3: Good morning, Matt. How are you?
5: I'm doing well, and morning is one of those things I'm not going to try and say more than 20 or 30 times this interview, because I know we're talking about morning prayer stuff again this week,
3: right? (laughs) Yes, we are. All right, so what are we on? We are on the last week of Advent, so in morning prayer... We have uh, we've been talking about the hymns of the office and uh, th- we've had the same hymn for the first part of Advent up through December 16th. But I thought we spent the last two weeks talking about that hymn. So now we're into the the hymn for morning prayer for the last week of Advent, right up uh, from December 17th, right up until Christmas. And I wanted to look a little bit at, the, at that hymn um, and the new translation that we've got of it.
5: All right, so what has changed in the tone between the beginning of Advent and what we start with now?
3: Yeah, so now we're, we're really looking forward to—this th- this new hymn uh, for the last week of Advent ties together the expectation of the first coming of Christ at Christmas, but also looking ahead to the second coming of Christ— at the end of time and and looking forward to our entry into heavenly glory with him. So it kind of ties all of these things together, the first coming, the second coming, and then our, our joining Christ in heaven uh, at the end of time. So if you look at uh, the current hymn offer, uh, option for morning prayer for this last week of Advent, uh, we have, it's just sort of a plug-in hymn, an existing hymn text, that's sort of related to the text that the church proposes for us to sing, but it's, it's not really a translation. But it's not a bad hymn. It's short and sweet. It's straight to the point. Behold a virgin bearing him who comes to save us from our sin. The prophets cry, prepare his way, make straight his paths to Christmas Day. Behold our hope and life and light, the promise of the holy night. We lift our prayer and bend our knee to his great love and majesty. That's it. Two short stanzas. Uh, they rhyme. It's just,
5: They're very English rhymes. friendly.
3: Yeah, you know. yeah. It's fine, and it and it gets across. You know, make straight his paths. The prophets are crying out. We're looking forward to Christmas. Um, so it gets a lot of the same themes. But this is the this is the hymn text that the church proposes for us that we've we've translated afresh for the first time. Uh, and it's not two stanzas. It's it's six stanzas. Oh wow with mighty voice the prophets cry that christ the lord is drawing near rejoicing they foresee the grace by which he saves us and redeems and so our morning sun shines forth our hearts ablaze with radiant joy we hear the faithful voice resound precursor of god's glorious gift at that first advent Christ our God came forth not to condemn the world, but came to cleanse our gaping wound, to seek and save what had been lost. Christ's second coming warns us all that he is standing at the gates to give to saints their glorious crowns and open wide the heavenly realm. Eternal light is now foretold the saving star is shining forth. Its radiant splendor summons us and calls us to the heavenly court. Christ Jesus, you alone we seek to see you face to face as God. May this unending vision be an everlasting hymn of praise. Amen. That's, that's
5: robust, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny because... We have in English, you know, a lot of hymns that are written for English. And, of course, they're also mixed in with all the other English pop songs that kind of pop up this time of year. We get, yeah. you know, such a sanitized and sort of proper understanding of, of, of what is happening at Christmas. It's this pure, quaint, you know, cute baby. And, you know, it yeah. warms our hearts. Uh, we don't get anything in English that's like Christ came <laughs> to clean, cleanse our gaping wound. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's yeah. intense stuff.
3: Yeah, I was thinking about I was going to I wanted to talk about that phrase in particular because it's such a it's such a physical image. Yes, it is. It's, it's sort of a it's shocking gross. thing. It's All a little gross, right? Yeah, it's I, it's almost embarrassingly physical and bodily. Like we don't like to talk about you know bodily fluids, but um, but you sometimes you have to. And that's and that's the reality of the incarnation is that it wasn't just some cute little uh, doll baby. He was real. He was in the flesh. Um, I was just explaining this to my kids last night. I was we were doing a little Advent uh, Bible story devotion last night, and I was saying to them, now, did Jesus really come? Was he did he have a real body or was he something like a ghost? And of course, my four year old who hasn't had much catechism, he goes, oh, he was just a ghost. Yeah, but my seven-year-old, four-year-old,
5: my... he's got to be worried about donatism.
3: <laughs> yeah, but my seven-year-old says, "Oh no," because she's had she's had more catechism. Oh no, he was real. He had a body, and so we talked about that. We said, "Yeah, he you could he he was a real baby. It wasn't just a vision. He wasn't just a ghost. He he, he pooped and he peed and and he probably spit up and and his spit up probably smelled and." And it you was You know, real. adults
5: can't handle that stuff, but kids are super <laughs> into it. Thank you so much for all you've done to help unpack some of these wonderful, like, hidden treasures that are now come to light in English. And a uh, reminder our listeners where they can get the Divine Office hymnal if they want to grab one heading into the Christmas season.
3: Yeah, it's currently being published by GIA. So you go to GIAmusic.com and you can order a copy of the Divine Office hymnal. All the hymns of the office are there translated afresh. Um, and they're just chock full of of rich meaning
5: yes and very human stuff
3: thanks so much dr lewis have a wonderful day. thank you you too matt
5: yeah anna mitchell i know that you know you've explained these kinds of things to kids before and uh you know kids you know we adults we're so i actually
6: haven't had to explain that to my kids yet
5: well but you know just you don't have to explain it all i
6: think it's I don't know. Maybe this is something when you have a girl first or if you that's have a boy it. first. Um, Roma does not ask such questions. Maybe yes. she just knows to not ask me.
5: <laughs> maybe that's it. <laughs> I don't maybe that, know. Maybe she asks Will. Maybe but, you she know, asks this, Will. I, it's a point, it it seems like a, like a weird thing to talk about, but I feel like it's important for us to remember that uh, God just did not become human somewhere at some point in some abstract reality like he became a real live baby yeah in a real actual specific place that you can actually go visit today we're gonna even talk mm-hmm. about that with michelle beau uh next, next hour. hour like am. it really did happen
2: yeah
5: like he became one of us he really become did. like a like a ghostly luminous thing Somewhere.
6: Although, interestingly, Matt, and this is opening a whole can of worms that we don't have time to talk about, but uh, I've been talking to people who um, saying a lot of people don't really realize that we're talking about God here. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he became human. He was also God while living here on Earth as a human. And so there's a lot of – there. I don't know – what it, like Pope Benedict talked about like practical atheism, you know, and there's sort of like a practical Arianism going on in some ways where you don't think about it so much, but you kind of have this implicit or subconscious thought that he somehow became God somewhere along the way or somewhere well, along the way, the like realized yeah. that he was God.
5: He was and, God at the Annunciation, he was God at the nativity exactly he's God at the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension and he's God now yep and before all that in the beginning was the word
6: he was God the word was God and the word is God
5: it's kind of mind-blowing it's
6: mind-blowing I mean it's a mystery we have to we have to hold that intention that we don't we don't really understand but but it's real but it's real.
5: Well, we're going to talk more about that with Father Hezekiah Carnazzo after the break as he looks at the readings for the fourth Sunday of Advent. Stay with us. It's 14 till.
10: The Christmas Means Life campaign encourages you to add another person to your Christmas list, the baby Jesus, as represented by women and children in need by making a donation to your local pregnancy center. Another option is to support the JP2 Life Center, committed to saving lives with free pregnancy help services, holistic OBGYN care, and education programs. Find out more at jpiiLifeCenter.org. That's jpiiLifeCenter.org because Christmas means life.
8: Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com.
10: Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers you can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com.
2: EWTN is everywhere. EWTN radio programming is provided free of charge to over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio stations. It's a great teaching tool for Catholics and non-Catholics alike. For a complete list of EWTN AM and FM stations across America, visit EWTNradio.net. At the bottom of the page, click Affiliates. EWTN is the global Catholic network.
8: This is Dr. David Anders, Is God an angry God? We answer questions like these every day on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show.
6: Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture. Good morning, Father.
13: Good morning, Annie. It's a blessing to be with you and your listeners this morning. I apologize, my voice is a little bit off. I got a Christmas cold.
6: Oh, Christmas cold. Well, we will be praying for you and your health ahead of uh, all of the Christmas festivities.
13: Oh, I certainly appreciate that. We've got a long road ahead, but it's all worth it for uh, we are going to approach the throne of God Himself, which is our theme this Sunday.
6: Yes, we only have one day for the the fourth week of Advent, and it is the fourth Sunday of Advent this weekend. What an interesting choice of readings, Father. We're in the second book of Samuel, chapter 7, and basically King David wants to build a house for the presence of God, but then finds out that he's not allowed to. Why are we hearing this reading on the fourth Sunday of Advent?
13: Well, I, I must stress how important this particular chapter, these verses are, in the Old Testament, and how they drove the expectation of the people at the time of the of the coming of Christ. Second Samuel chapter seven. All of your listeners, Annie, would do well to get out your Bible and read this particular chapter, Second Samuel chapter seven, in which it, it talks about, as you said, the uh, the desire of David to establish the temple of God. Of course, up to this point. Um, the the, uh, presence of God among his people was realized in the Tent of Meeting, which was built by Moses during the time of the Exodus. But now the Exodus, really in 2 Samuel chapter 7, comes to its conclusion. All the way here, now many generations later, finally David takes the throne city of Jerusalem and then begins thinking to himself, why is it that I live in a palace on Mount Zion in Jerusalem in the ancient throne city while God, who is truly the king of his people, dwells in this tent? And therefore, he declares to the prophet Nathan that he would build this temple of God. And here's the, the turning point in why second Samuel chapter 7 is so critically important. God intervenes in this moment and says, No, David, you are not the establisher of the throne of God on earth. The throne of God, the presence of God among his people, is not something to be determined and controlled by a man. So that was the idea of ancient paganism. No, the presence of God among his people is a gift of God, and it is not to be controlled by men. For God dwelling among his people, it means that he will truly be the king. He will establish the laws. he will determine the direction of the kingdom, and not man. This is fundamentally important for us, Annie, not only in the Old Testament, but for us today to remember that the throne of God is a gift. It is a gift that we are stewards of. The presence of God among his people is truly a gift. And and therefore, he says, no, David, you will not build a temple, for the temple of God is not made by man. It is made by God himself, and I will establish my presence among my people, he says in Second Samuel chapter 7, but it will be one that is received as an inheritance. And having received it as an inheritance, it will remain forever, regardless of the vicissitudes and the sins of mankind.
6: Yeah, he reveals to David, I will raise up your heir after you sprung from your loins, and I will make his kingdom firm, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall stand firm forever. So is he talking about Solomon here, Father?
13: This is this is important. Solomon is not named, but certainly one that comes forth from David will receive a throne which will remain Forever, I can't stress how important those words are, Annie, for this is truly the first time from the beginning of Scriptures since since the establishment of the creation of Adam and Eve, the Son of God, made in His image and after His likeness, that the Father tells us that, that the promise made to Adam and Eve in chapter 3, verse 15, that He will ultimately be, be, be victorious over evil, that God's reign over his people will be restored since the fall. Now one coming from David, a man, will be called the Son of God. Of course we know as Christians having received the fulfillment of this, the gift of Jesus himself born of the Virgin, that Second Samuel chapter seven does not speak simply of Solomon, nor the establishment of the temple built out of stone. But ultimately the temple which is prophesied in Second Samuel chapter seven, that temple and that kingdom which will remain forever, is that which is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who establishes a temple, not made out of stone, not made out of not made from the hands of man, but from the hand of God Himself, carved into the face of Jesus Christ, who is Himself the true temple of God.
6: Which is what we learn in the gospel here. According to Luke chapter 1, the story of the Annunciation, where the angel Gabriel says, he will be great. He will be called son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, fulfilling that prophecy that we've just been talking about.
13: That's exactly it, Annie. And I I think at this time with such a a challenging time in society, in our church itself, when it is believed, as David thought, that we would be the establishers of, this, of the presence of God among us, that we would be the ones who determined how the kingdom is to be lived out, when we would be the ones who would, in a sense, control God's action among men. We are reminded, no, that the throne of God, the kingdom of God on earth, indeed, The church established by Jesus Christ is one that we have received as a gift. And as I said before, regardless of the vicissitudes of man, that throne, that temple of God will remain forever. for it is our humanity joined to the eternal person of the word, no longer to be broken apart, no longer to be divided, because it is established in the eternal person of the word of God himself.
6: We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, and Father, if listeners want to check out what the Institute has coming up in the new year, where can they get that info?
13: Instituteofcatholicculture.org. We have a a tremendous amount of educational opportunities planned for you, all free of charge. Instituteofcatholicculture.org.
6: Which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much, Father Hezekiah. Among those things in the new year. Patristics 101. If you're feeling unsettled by what's been happening in the church these days, let's go back to the, the foundation, the Apostolic Fathers, with Dr. John Peppino, Institute of Catholic Culture.org. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up next for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio. Stay with us.
2: His word, the morning show. To start your
3: day.
5: It is Friday the 22nd of December, we are winding down the Advent season heading into Christmas over the next couple of days. Let's pray this morning prayer written by St. John Henry Newman together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May the Lord support us all the day long, till the shades lengthen and the evening comes, and the busy world is hushed, and the fever of life is over, and our work is done. Then in his mercy, may he give us a safe lodging, and holy rest and peace at the last. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. I'd like to pray that prayer from Newman today about the shades lengthening, the evening comes, and all that sort of stuff. Because as of today, don't forget that like, it's, the days are going to get longer. Like yesterday was as dark as it's going to get. We're, we're, uh, we're getting more and more light every day from here on out till uh well, till about six months from now, it is the sunrise morning show. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. Danielle Bean has some more advent thoughts for us as we wind down the season. Michelle beau joins jo- joins us from the Holy Family Hospital in Bethlehem. Of course, that's where everything happened. 2,000 years ago, and she'll talk about what they're doing today in the place where Christ was born to welcome babies. Bobby Schindler will join us from the Terry Shivo Life and Hope Network, also Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston to give his look at the readings for the fourth Sunday of Advent. So stay with us if you are able. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell.
6: Good morning. The U.S. is supporting a resolution being drafted by the U.N. Security Council that calls for a pause in the Israeli Hamas war to allow aid to flow into Gaza. Ambassador Linda Thomas Greenfield said yesterday the U.S. is ready to move forward on the resolution. It calls for urgent and extended humanitarian pauses in the fighting for a sufficient number of days to allow unhindered humanitarian access. The resolution does also call for a U.N. appointed coordinator to pre-screen all the aid going into Gaza. A vote on the resolution is scheduled for today. Meanwhile, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem is saying that the true meaning of Christmas is more important than ever this year. Vatican News reports uh, Cardinal pierre Battista Pizzaballa released a Christmas video message yesterday. He said, God becomes flesh out of love and communicates to us a new way of being in the world— which is to give one's life out of love for others. Dozens of Russian drones are attacking Ukraine's capital. Ukrainian officials say two people have been injured and several residential buildings, have been damaged after more than two dozen drones attacked Kiev overnight. Ukraine's Air Force says they shot down 24 of the 28 drones. They said it was the sixth Russian drone attack on Kiev this month. Pope Francis gave his annual Christmas address to the Roman Curia yesterday, taking up the theme of synodality and warned against what he described as ideological rigidity. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni reports.
0: Let us remain vigilant against rigid ideological positions that often under the guise of good intentions separate us from reality and prevent us from moving forward. The Pope said we are called to set out and journey like the Magi, following the light that always desires to lead us on, at times along unexplored paths and new roads. He encouraged those present to listen to one another and to others so they can evolve to truly offer service to the Catholic Church. And he noted that fearfully sticking to rules may give the appearance of avoiding problems, but only ends up hurting the service that the Vatican Curia is called to give to the Church. The Pope upheld Mary, whose open-hearted reception of the angel's message, serves, he said, as a reminder that true listening involves an interior openness needed to enter into a relationship with God. He recalled the example of John the Baptist, whose humility and courage allowed him to practice discernment, a virtue, he said, that frees us from the illusion of omniscience and challenges the temptation to perpetuate familiar patterns. Pope Francis also cited the teachings of the Second Vatican Council, noting that 60 years after the Council, we are still debating the division between progressives and conservatives. This isn't difference, he said. The real difference is between lovers and those who have lost that initial passion. The Christian faith is not meant to confirm our sense of security, to let us settle into comfortable religious certitudes and to offer us quick answers to life's complex problems. When God calls, he concluded, he sends us on a journey. He draws us out of our comfort zones, our complacency about what we have already done, and in this way, he sets us free. I'm Linda Bordoni.
6: Bishop Robert Barron, who chairs the U.S. Bishops' Committee on Laity, Marriage, Family Life, and Youth, has responded to concerns and confusion over the recent Vatican Declaration on Blessings. He says in a statement, quote, The statement in no way calls for a change in the Church's teaching regarding marriage and sexuality. In fact, he says it goes to great lengths to insist that in accord with unchanging doctrine— Marriage is a union of one man and one woman in lifelong fidelity and openness to children, saying the blessings that are allowed do not apply approbation of irregular relationships. Bishop Aaron said, quote, Fiducia supplicans is very much congruent with Pope Francis's long-held conviction that those who do not live up to the full demand of the church's moral teaching are nevertheless loved and cherished by God, and invited to accept the Lord's offer of forgiveness, end quote. The holiday travel frenzy is here. Airlines have been preparing for record numbers and hoping to avoid a repeat of last year's travel nightmare when a snowstorm caused nearly 17,000 flights to be canceled and stranded hundreds of thousands of passengers. And taters the cat is the star of a live stream video from deep space. NASA featured the orange tabby cat in its first ever video streamed from deep space by way of a laser. The video beamed from 19 million miles away on December 11th and took more than 100 seconds to reach the earth. The space agency said that NASA's deep space optical communications experiment was designed to boost the capabilities of streaming data from long distances
5: what was the cat's name taters all i can think of is
14: what's taters process
5: <laughs> potatoes boil them mash them stick them in a stew <laughs> lovely big golden chips with a nice piece of fried fish uh, that's so good taters 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 the cat
6: reminds me of the 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 commercial for one of um one of those liberty commercials where she's the dog walker mm. and she's like duchess i don't remember all the names but i remember thinking that they were great One pet names taters no no there was no taters
5: i will say i mean we should ask Justin pierce about this if my golem impression is better than my sam Gamgee impression, i don't think
6: he likes the movies he doesn't so it i'm not sure that you're question. gonna get much of a, an answer from him
5: you'll actually I'm, i have it would probably be an Joseph awkward conversation
6: bit, but... just yeah anyway It's eight past. Danielle Bean back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. You can connect with her, invite her to speak, or lead a retreat. Listen to her girlfriend's podcast all through her site, daniellebean.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fine. And we are continuing a discussion we started the last time together. That is how to find joy in Advent. And we're going to talk about this one point that you make in the podcast, and that is control your thoughts. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think
9: too often we can fall prey to the idea that we are somehow victims of our thoughts, right? That we, we can't control them. And I frequently need to remind myself, and I hope to remind others as well, that you're the boss of your thoughts. You do control your thoughts. Yes, you can't help if a random anxiety pops into your mind or a thought temptation of some sort, but you get to control whether or not you're going to think about that thing, and Mm. you get to choose. And this is actually a really powerful thing when it comes to finding joy in the Advent season or any time, or the level of happiness that we find in life, because we can entertain negative thoughts or we can entertain positive thoughts. We can entertain holy thoughts or we can entertain unholy thoughts. We get to choose these things. So we need that reminder that every one of us is called to be responsible for the ways that we are occupying ourselves in our own interior lives.
6: What is the difference between what you are describing just now and being naive about what's going on around you?
9: (laughs) Spoken like a true realist. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah, um, of course, it's not calling you to be naive. You're not—I'm not— asking you to entertain some you know, false form of reality in your mind when you're, you're trying to be positive about things. And you can fully recognize that the negative things in the world, and they're very real, and some people are going through very hard things during this season of Advent, which is meant to be joyful. So I completely understand that. But at the same time, God is good, and we know the end of the story, and that is part of what we are celebrating during this time of year is The coming of Christ, the gift of Jesus, the undeserved gift of Jesus, and the hope we have for eternal salvation as a result of that. In the end, it's a happy ending to the story, regardless of the difficult things that we might have going on around us. And even in the midst of very difficult things, there are positive things that we can pull away from them. There are positive things we can learn from them. There are people who love us and are helping us through them. There are always good things that we can focus on, even in the midst of hardness.
6: And that takes a certain kind of vision, doesn't it, Danielle, to be able to find God even in the midst of, of a situation that is bringing us anxiety or sadness or anger or whatever negative emotion you want to you put at the end of that sentence.
9: Right. For sure it does. And it's something that you can get better at doing. So, you know, it's not like overnight, you know, snap your fingers and you're going to be perfect at doing this. This So the kind of thing that it takes a lifetime to kind of practice and learn. And sometimes you don't recognize the presence of God and the good things that came out of a terrible situation until after the fact. Retrospect, you know, that 2020 perspective, you're able to see it. But you can get better at seeing it in the moment by practicing that and by praying for that. You know, if you're in the middle of something hard, God can work with where you are. He knows all about where you are physically, spiritually, emotionally right now. And you can turn to him in in your difficulty and say, "Lord, I know there there are good things that you want me to focus on here. Help me to see them." Very simple prayer, or you know say "God, I, I want to trust in you. help me to trust in you and that's a beautiful prayer. it's simple, it's humble, it is honest and raw, and you can go to God with wherever you are, and He can work with it. That's part of the beauty of prayer that you don't have to have yourself all put together before you present yourself to God. He knows where you are and he loves you and embraces you where you are. He's just waiting for you to turn to him in your need
6: and I often say that when we know how God operated in the past, we can better recognize how he is operating today, and that can happen on so many levels. You look at how he operated in the lives of the saints. you look at how he operated in the in in the lives of the people in Scripture. You know, whatever, but you can also look at your own life and remember the ways that God worked in your life, and you can fully expect Him to do the same in the future.
9: Absolutely. And that's a very good point. And I think it's really important to reflect on those times where you have felt God's presence in your life where something good has come out of something bad that you never would have chosen to have in your life. And really a good way to make sure that you're paying attention to those things is to be writing things down, to be keeping a, a spiritual journal of sorts. It doesn't have to be elaborate, but maybe just writing down the things that you're praying about, the things that you're worrying about that are on your heart that you're bringing to God. Leafing back through that, you know, a year plus later, you can see the things that have been resolved and the good that has come out of it, even very hard things. And that's a beautiful way to grow in your relationship with God, to learn to trust Him, to know He's been good to you before and He's going to be good to you in this present moment as well.
6: Well, Danielle, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, sometimes negative thoughts can just pop into our head. And, you know, this is often in reaction to some sort of stimulus. I don't know, waiting in a huge line because you procrastinated on your Christmas shopping (laughs) and now you're— you know, shopping on the day before Christmas Eve and trying to get it all done and you don't have enough time and so you're getting angry. Or maybe you're being launched into family situations that you don't want to be in, but it's Christmas time and so you gotta go because it's your family. You know, these these stimulus, like you know that they're going to be there. So how do we ahead of time kind of convince ourselves to not dwell on those reactionary thoughts that will probably come in these circumstances
9: well i think you know you're saying ahead of time that's kind of the key there right like thinking about things that are going to be challenging ahead of time or just at the start of each day you don't know what challenging things you're going to face be praying that morning offering every morning and asking god to give you grace in the midst of whatever challenges lie ahead for you is a beautiful way to embrace all that God has in store for you on any given day. But even in those moments, like when you recognize that, and you can get better at recognizing those moments or recognizing the beginning of those negative thought spirals, and just say a prayer to your guardian angel. Ask for, mm-hmm. ask Mother Mary to help you to reframe your thoughts, take back control of your thoughts, and not just fall victim to a, a spiraling downward negativity, with, regardless of whatever it is, if it's something you anticipated or not.
6: Because the Prince of Peace is coming, and we have so many songs, so many Christmas carols talking about peace, right? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And there is nothing that Satan wants more than to rob us of our own personal peace resting in the Lord, and our thoughts are an easy way to do that.
9: Absolutely. I think, you know, spending some time this end of Advent preparing your heart for Christmas really means focusing on what that peace is and who brings it. And the gift of our Lord this time of year is really just a beautiful way to meditatively, prayerfully focus on the good things that you have in your life and the ultimate good that every one of us has, which is our Lord Jesus Christ.
6: Thank you so much, Danielle Bean. You can find her linked at com. 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with the headlines right after this.
7: Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB.
4: For 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have followed in the footsteps of their founders, St. Daniel Komboni. We are an active missionary group sharing our deep faith in God through service to the poorest and most abandoned people around the world, satisfying both the physical and spiritual needs of the people in our mission. Please support our mission work with a generous year-end gift today. Thank you for your prayers and kindness. Give today at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org.
5: Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee.
6: They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission.
5: Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store.
6: Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
5: That's sunrisemorningshow.com.
6: Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. Adam Bly and I
10: invite you to join us as we tackle the spirit world on EWTN Radio. Adam has assisted at thousands of solemn exorcisms and resolutions of hauntings. He also reaches out to educate people on the paranormal and the occult in our culture. Join us tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern for the spirit world on
6: EWTN Radio.
5: 19 past, here's Anna with headlines. The
6: U.S. is supporting a resolution being drafted by the U.N. Security Council that calls for a pause in the Israel-Hamas war to allow aid to flow into Gaza. Pope Francis is sending the prefect of the dicastery for the service of charity to the Holy Land as a sign of a solidarity. And the Holy Father gave his annual Christmas address to the Roman Curia yesterday, warning against what he described as ideological rigidity.
5: News at the top and bottom of each hour, every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And uh, Anna Mitchell, I mentioned Joseph Pierce last hour, and we were talking about how he's not a super huge fan of the... I right. think he likes the Lord of the Rings trilogy a lot better than he likes The Hobbit, but that's not saying all that much. But mm-hmm. that being said, I did post on our Facebook page an episode of Coming Home Network Presents that I did. It was me, Joseph, and John Mark Grodi, Uh, We talked about the major kind of like classic conversion stories in Christmas film and literature. The Grinch, George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life having that big conversion, Scrooge's conversion. We even found out that Joseph Pierce, while not a Muppet fan in general...
6: Likes a Muppet Christmas Carol.
5: ...appreciates the Muppet Christmas Carol. Really? There are a lot of tidbits like that, but it's all about Christmas conversion. Like, why is it that people are like open in different ways to things this time of year. And uh, what can that say uh, about who we are as human beings? So check it out. It's on our Facebook page. You can find it. It's about a half an hour episode. Cool. It's a lot of fun.
6: Very, very neat.
5: So we get to talk to Joseph Pearson, our local hour, every Friday. So maybe we
6: can. Yeah. Well, he's going to be given some Christmas reading recommendations yeah, can, next hour.
5: more film. And
6: Download the Sunrise Today. Morning Show app if you haven't already.
5: Check it out. 21 past the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on christmas morning make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some mystic monk coffee
6: they have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission.
5: Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store.
6: Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com.
5: Business owners are starting
10: to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, leah at sacredheartradio.com.
4: That's leah at sacredheartradio.com. If there is one psalm that bears a great fascination for Christians... It is Psalm 22. Like many others, it is a call for the Lord's help, but Psalm 22 contains elements that seem particularly Christian. The opening verse of the Psalm was quoted by Jesus on the cross. Later verses give details of the sufferings that Jesus endured. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my prayer, from the words of my cry. My heart is like wax melting away within my bosom. Indeed, many dogs surround me. A pack of evildoers closes in upon me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They have numbered all my bones. They look on me and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my vesture, they cast lots. O Lord, be not far from me. O my help, hasten to aid me. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Dale Petrica.
6: It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And we are very happy that you are along with us on a Friday morning as we approach the fourth Sunday of Advent, which is also Christmas Eve. And, of course, the great feast of the Nativity. Ambassador Michelle Bowe is joining us now. She's the Sovereign Order of Malta's ambassador to Palestine and president of the Holy Family Hospital of Bethlehem Foundation. Ambassador Bowe, it's great to have you back.
14: Wonderful to be here so close to Christmas.
6: Yes, and I know that Gaza is on the opposite side of the region from Bethlehem uh, along the Mediterranean. So Bethlehem hasn't been a war zone so to speak. But how has the Israel-Hamas war been affecting Holy Family Hospital?
14: You know, it's affecting Bethlehem and all greatly. There is, um, of course, the sounds of war when there's intense bombing and missiles. Um, But the day-to-day life in Bethlehem has changed. Um, Schools open and they close an hour later. Mm -hmm. Um, There are general strikes after heavy days of bombing, When there are no schools, the um, tourism has completely shut down. There are no pilgrimages. And as you know, Bethlehem is the most Christian area of Palestine. And they're 90 percent dependent, the economy, on people coming in to make holy religious pilgrimages. And without those, 90 percent of the workforce is receiving no salaries. Um, Prices have skyrocketed for food families are maybe just eating one meal a day, and the saddest is we're seeing women come in to deliver their babies not having eaten for a day or two. Mm -hmm. So the effects in Bethlehem are, are extremely tangible.
6: Well, just for those who may not be familiar with the Holy Family Hospital of Bethlehem, can you tell us about the mission of that hospital?
14: Yes. We are a Catholic teaching hospital in the heart of Bethlehem. We champion life and as a matter of fact, we welcomed our 100,000th baby on the Feast of the Epiphany wow. this year, and we were so excited. Um, and this, this hospital is no ordinary hospital because it came to the Order of Malta in the form of a gift from Pope John Paul II. And he said, I'm going to give you the responsibility, the honor, and the privilege of running this hospital And it's going to be a priority of the church for a millennium. Hmm. So this is not a short assignment. Um, We take care of women in all stages of life. Um, We deliver almost 5,000 babies a year. And we have a very special place, which is our NICU, which takes care of babies born too soon or babies born fragile and sick. And it's our intensive care unit and we take care of almost 500 babies a year in that unit and it's the only such unit serving almost a million people in southern palestine
6: I was curious would this normally be a hospital that that perhaps women from gaza would travel to receive um that intensive care that you were just describing or or is this mostly in the the west bank region
14: it's just the way West Bank. Um Gaza is separated from the West Bank. You can't travel sure. from one place to the other. It's about forty miles away. Um but there are not any um roads that you can use to um go from one to the other. Why is um, that? Well it's it's because of politics. Um mm-hmm. you know, I'm a person I have five children, grown children of my own and one grandbaby and two on the way. And so my, my focus, my life's focus, have always been on the women and the children. Yeah. Um, and politics so often um, harms women and children. And you know, even if we think about the Blessed Mother going to Bethlehem for the census, and you know how she suffered as a pregnant woman, you know, riding a donkey or walking um, the flight to Egypt, how hard that must have been. On, again, a mother and a child, the Christ child and the Blessed Mother. And I'm sure it was terrible for poor St. Joseph because it must have been hard for him to see the Blessed Mother and the Christ child suffer. So, you know, war mostly affects children and women. Um, politics often affects children and women. So I'm hoping that, you know, one of the outcomes of this war is Lasting peace peace in our hearts around the world, but also I'm hoping that maybe more more young girls will Become mothers and also become influencers and decision makers diplomats, negotiators, I think we need the voice of women to remind us that You know war is divisive and we know where division comes from it comes from um, the evil one and we just need to you know, appeal to prayer and to, uh, you know, the better angels to prevail and bring peace to this region that's not known long periods of peace in more than 2,000 years.
6: Yeah, which actually comes as no surprise when you think about this is the land where our Lord was born and ministered and died and rose again. Of course, Satan is going to target this with division and war as as much as possible. You mentioned the difficulty of traveling because of politics. I'm wondering, I know you have a mobile clinic with Holy Family Hospital, and uh, has the West Bank been affected in terms of of travel and the like uh, that that a mobile clinic like yours um, would be affected by?
14: Well, I'm really sorry to say that. Right now, we can't run our mobile clinic. Mm. It goes off into the isolated villages, and it serves the Bedouin people in the desert. And um, we, we just can't guarantee the safety of our medical staff and our driver. Um, unfortunately, um, in, these, in this war and in the greater spillover, um, medical units haven't been sort of hands-off as they normally are. And so it, it's just terribly sad. I received a note um, from one of the Bedouin women in one of the villages we serve, and she said, it's been, you know, 57 days since we've seen you. Wow. And my heart just broke, and, you know, my first response was, let's get that clinic out there, but we, we can't um, take the lives of two doctors, a nurse, a driver. Um, and so we, we've done what we can by telephone, and... um We can sometimes send in um, um, special ambulances to bring the women to the hospital, but we're just praying for the time of peace when we can go out there and be reunited with these people that, you know, we're serving their third generation where, you know, the granddaughters of the grandmothers we've served are uh, starting to be engaged and um, married, and it's, um, it's just such a joy to watch these families grow up and the little grandchildren and this is such a wonderful community they're they're extremely poor they live on the land but they do such a great job with their children you know you see their hair their skin their teeth they look mm-hmm. so healthy but mostly they're happy yeah. they're running around playing they um, go to school and um, I was out there once and I was um, asking them what they want to be when they grow up and um, the little boys, you know, all wanted to be farmers. They wanted to be shepherds. They wanted, and I asked them more, and they said, oh, we want to take care of the land. Wow. And it was so cute. And, of course, the girls were, um, you know, all looking at me, and they're like, well, that's a crazy question. We all want to be mothers. Wow. But, they, you know, some want to be teachers. One wanted to be an architect. And um, it's just, it's a wonderful community, and I, um, I miss them terribly. Um, but even our doctors are having a hard time getting to work. Some of our um, doctors have been staying with family members close by. We traded out some of our medical residents with local hospitals so that they, I mean, with local families so that, or, no, local hospitals, so that they can work closer to where they live because travel is dangerous at night. Mm. So we work in 12-hour shifts. We um sadly had a few women that have had to deliver it home at night without medical care because it's not safe to move. And then they would come to the hospital in the morning. And if you're not prepared for a home birth, it's not a safe thing to do. And so the babies arrived cold. I mean, they wrapped them in blankets, but um, there's protocols to keep a brand new baby warm and the houses don't have central heating. And because of the newfound poverty in Bethlehem, People don't have money for heating. They're choosing between, you know, feeding their children, um, you know, twice a day or once a day. And so things like heat, they're just putting on extra sweaters and blankets and hoping for sunny days. It's cold in the high desert, but um, this this is a really serious problem. And the eyes of the world are focused on Gaza and on the uh, region where the terrible attacks occurred. but we so often forget about Bethlehem. I think it was mentioned, uh, you know, as a backwater in the Bible a few times with Mm, King David and where Joseph came from. Um, But it's really, it's the city of peace. It's the city of joy. It's the city where the three kings came, where the holy family lived. And when you cross that checkpoint and enter into Bethlehem, you see a city that's kind of gritty, and really crowded because of the separation wall, but you immediately feel something different. You feel the peace. You feel that you're really in Holy Land, on Holy Land. Yeah,
6: We've been talking to Ambassador Michelle Bowe, who is the Sovereign Order of Malta's Ambassador to Palestine and President of the Holy Family Hospital of Bethlehem, Foundation. I imagine, Ambassador Bo, that a lot of support would be very much appreciated by you all. Where can listeners help support the Holy Family Hospital of Bethlehem?
14: They can go to our website, which is birthplaceofhope.org, birthplaceofhope.org, and they can make um, a specific gift to help a baby or help a mother or provide training. Nice. um, and they'll get a receipt that they can use as a gift because I know when waning
6: days. Michelle okay. Beau, thank you so much. We're out of time. It's 35 minutes past the hour.
2: The
5: Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew.
6: And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show.
5: If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online
6: store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
5: That's sunrisemorningshow.com.
1: This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. There are times when we look at our lives and think that the deck is stacked against us. We are facing a deadline or what seems an impossible task, and sometimes our best choice is just to give up or give in. St. Paul faced many of these situations, and while it is clear that he did not know how he was going to succeed, he went straight ahead. He lets the church at Philippi in on his secret for this. He wrote, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Now This is a strong act of faith on Paul's part and we can learn much from it. Our power does not come from our physical strength or our wits or even our knowledge. These things can be easily overcome at times, especially through fear, but if we rely on ourselves we know in the end we're going to fail. Paul relies on Jesus Christ. He knows that if Christ sends him to do something, he will do it. People often speak about their strength as coming from within, but Paul knows that this can only happen if we realize that this interior strength is actually the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, giving us courage, and giving us hope. If we are faced with difficult situations or serious questions, let us remember Paul's words. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. And this is what we learn from the heart of St. Paul.
5: The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thank you for being along here as we have just a little bit of time left before we get into the Christmas season. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. They're online at lifeandhope.com. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So you got a good story to share with us this week, a, an absolutely fascinating story that really shows a lot of, like, the really the best possible kinds of things that can come out of the work that you do. So share that with us.
15: Right. Now, we weren't involved with this, this case, but, you know, Matt, I was reading this. And it really it really covers so much that we talk about each week, uh, as far as the promise of, of brain recovery, of unconditional love of a family, never giving up, rehabilitation, just all those things, strong advocates, all those things that we talk about that's needed when a family member uh, might sustain unexpectedly uh, a brain injury. And that's what happened to this young woman. Uh, Jen- uh, her name was um, Jennifer Llewellyn. this was in Michigan. In 2017, she was in an auto accident after dropping her three sons off at school and sustained a significant brain injury. And then for the next uh, five years, Matt, she was in what doctors are calling a coma, a coma state. Uh, and then this it was actually, it was People magazine doing this story. And they're actually, it was back in October of uh, 2022. The mother uh, woke up after five years in this condition and uh, 60 years old now. I'm sorry, she's 41 years old now. She was 35 when the accident occurred. And her daughter, her name, her daughter was Peggy Means, who is 60. And this is what's so remarkable, Matt. And, and I got to tell you, many stories similar to this that I read, this is always part of the story, Was the daughter was visiting, I'm sorry, the mother was visiting the daughter almost every day uh, at this uh, facility where, where she was being cared for. Uh, hoping that one day she would she would uh, start to respond, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, her name is Peggy Means, and uh, October of 2022, she, she started to respond. She started to laugh. She actually laughed at a joke <clears throat> that her her mom told her, and that began her road to recoveries, So much so that this past October, um, Jennifer uh, attended a football game with her three sons. So it's just it's a really uplifting story. And it just talks, as I said, about so much that's needed when you have these types, of, you know, uh, circumstances when someone does sustain a brain injury, and they're really unable to communicate, and it's really up to the family to to, to care for their, their loved ones in these types of conditions.
5: Well, and uh, Jennifer, the woman in this story, still obviously has a very long road ahead, uh, but she is a lot farther along it than people thought that she was ever going to be. <laughs> you know, after five years in a coma. But I think it does also highlight, too, um, Bobby, and I know that this time of year, in your work, uh, you, you see this a lot, that uh, you know people can be forgotten in hospitals, they can be forgotten in nursing homes, they can be forgotten in these places where they're uh, being cared for and, uh, and helped, and some of them, you know, are more responsive than others. But it's a reminder to me to, to not forget about these people who are often isolated, especially this time of year.
15: Right. Well, that's so important. I know we've talked about that before, uh, Matt, regardless of their condition. I mean, just to go visit someone who is perhaps in a nursing home or at the hospital at the time, I mean, I don't think you can measure what the impact that would mean to a person, particularly this time of year, as you said, with Christmas. And it could be a lonely time for people, and it's so important to visit. Um, And and that's that's why this, this mother is such an inspiration when I read these things, and I think it's so important to someone's recovery that you have a family member that, that's there, and whether, the, whether you know or not that the person hears you and, and when you such a condition, and oftentimes they do, um, they, they know that you're there and that you care and still and love them unconditionally. It's, it, you know, it's interesting that the, the, the mother talks about how she when she would go visit her daughter, she would play an audio book, and the audio book was about, actually about a woman who was in a coma. And um, and evidently the daughter said that she heard uh, she remembers hearing what the daughter, what the mother was playing when she would come to visit. And, Matt, you know, I I think what's so extraordinary about these stories and it's it's really, really important that this is this is mentioned, because um, we hear so many times when they move to remove someone's treatment. It's always kind of justified by saying, well, who would want to live this way? I, w- I do not want this person to live in this type of conditions. Or doctors are pressuring family members. You know, do you want your loved one? Do you want to care for someone in this type of condition? Who would want to live this way? And when you read these stories of recovery and of families and individuals that come out of these long types of uh, unresponsive conditions, and I've read a lot of these stories, Matt. They're out there. I've been doing this. You know, we've been doing this for almost 20 years. There's, there's many of these stories out there. I have never, and this this story is another example. I have never read where the patient who has emerged from these types of unresponsive conditions have ever said that would I wish you would have killed me, uh, you know, I wish you would have stopped the treatment. I I, I did not want to live in this condition. No, it's it's actually quite the opposite. The joy and the this just how happy they are that the family members never gave up on them, and and how and how happy they are now that they're living life again and experiencing. Uh, what they didn't experience for a a long period of time. So it's very encouraging when I hear these stories, and I never, never read how the person in these conditions ever wanted to uh, uh, have their treatment stopped.
5: Well, we are grateful for your vigilance, grateful for all the things you do to highlight some of the risks that people face when they're in those situations, to highlight some of the ways that the laws are encroaching and uh, trying to make it harder for families to be able to care for their loved ones, uh, to be vigilant on those places where, you know, the insurance companies are withholding their care for people who are medically vulnerable. And uh, I know this is something that you do with the support of many people. Uh, as we head into the end of the year, is there any way that people who want to help you continue to do these things can support you with, uh, with a gift at the end of the year?
15: Sure. Well, thank you, Matt. If you go to you can read about our work, our advocacy and, and if you want, you can you know, certainly uh, con- uh, contribute to, to our work. Uh, we do all this work voluntarily. When families call us, we, obviously we never, never charge them for, for the help that we might be able to provide them. So any help that you can offer us is always grateful and always very appreciative of, of people that support us.
5: Well, Bobby Schindler, thank you for all you do. Uh, thank you for uh, being part of the Sunrise Morning Show family. Have a great Christmas, and we'll talk to you in the new year.
15: Same to all you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. God bless you all.
5: All right. And you can find Bobby linked at sunrisemorningshow.com along with all of our guests. And you can put in those email addresses and subscribe. We've got the best of the Sunrise Morning Show all week next week, which means lots and lots of cool Christmas-themed interviews that we've put together over the past several years, uh, including uh, unpacking more of the 12 Days of Christmas, uh, we've got some stuff on the feast days that are happening. Uh, St. Stephen, of course, is the one that immediately comes to mind. We've got lots and lots of great Christmas-themed interviews from the archives. So be sure, even though uh, you may be sleeping in a little bit or hanging out in your PJs with a cup of coffee, uh, you can still tune in to the Sunrise Morning Show, the best of the Sunrise Morning Show, all week next week. With the exception, the notable exception, of Christmas morning. But starting Tuesday... We're on with those best ups and then back live in the new year. We got Father Jonathan Duncan on next to unpack the readings for the fourth Sunday of Advent. Stay with us. It's a quarter till.
10: The Christmas Means Life Campaign encourages you to add another person to your Christmas list, the Baby Jesus, as represented by women and children in need by making a donation to your local pregnancy center. Another option is to support the JP2 Life Center, committed to saving lives with free pregnancy help services, holistic OBGYN care, and education programs. Find out more at jpiiLifeCenter.org. That's jpilifecenter.org because Christmas means life. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. EWTN's Religious Catalog has terrific suggestions for Christmas gifts. Women Made New, Reflections on Adversity, Transformation, and Healing by Kristalina Everett features the captivating stories of 12 women who overcame personal trials to become champions for the kingdom of God. The Women Made New book and DVD set is one of many great Christmas gifts from EWTN Religious Catalog. For more, visit EWTNRC.com
8: today. This is Dr. David Anders. Is God an angry God? We answer questions like these every day on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show.
5: 13 till here's Anna with headlines.
8: The U.S. is
6: supporting a resolution being drafted by the U.N. Security Council that calls for a pause in the Israel-Hamas war to allow aid to flow in to Gaza. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has said in a new Christmas video message that the true meaning of Christmas is more important than ever this year. And Pope Francis gave his annual Christmas address to the Roman Curia yesterday, taking up the theme of synodality and warning against what he described as ideological rigidity.
5: News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swam, joined now by Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston to take a look at the readings for the fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, Father Duncan, are you geared up? Uh, I hope you've got lots of coffee ready to go. It's going to be a busy few days for you.
16: I'm set and ready. I'm just going to camp out in the church all day Sunday, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pop out at some point.
0: You now,
5: know,
16: logistically late, speaking. Late Sunday night.
5: Uh, are you going to have church in Advent mode with like all the purple for Sunday morning, and then switch it over in time for Christmas Eve later that night, like decoration wise?
16: Absolutely. Yeah, no, we'll we'll make the switch at some point in the afternoon. There's going to be a lot of a lot of flurry of activity to sort of de-purple things.
5: I, you know, I, I think a lot of people are stressed out by that, and some people might think of like the obligation of all. To me, this sounds fun, like. You know, of course, I also worked stage crew for some bands and things over the years, and it's kind of exciting to be like, all right, the the one act went off, and it's time to get the new one on, and you got to redo everything, new drum set, new all that stuff. Uh, you know, it is kind of a cool thing, and I, I imagine there will be some people who come in on Sunday morning and come back on Sunday night for or for Christmas Eve and are just mind blown at the transformation.
16: Yeah, I think I think you're right that you know. It's... It, at first glance, a lot of people would be like, oh, you know, this just seems like a bunch. But if you if you really kind of insert yourself into um, the drama that's behind this, right? So like the, the, the drama of Advent, which is like longing, uh, sighing, um, waiting, and then this like fulfillment in, in the gift of the Incarnation, you know, our, our Jewish brothers and sisters, you know, they they go through this on, on a lot of their high holy days where they'll be in synagogue for hours or, or come back, you know, day after day. So I think it's it's about reclaiming that sense of the drama. But if you have if you don't have a have a high enough sense of, of what Advent is about and ultimately what the incarnation is, which is this kind of earthquake where God breaks down the barrier between the merely ideal the merely spiritual and, and the physical, the bodily, if you don't have that sense of, of how significant this is, then, yeah, it's going to seem like, oh i got to just sit in church twice, you know?
5: I do laugh about that, by the way, because as a, a young evangelical kid, uh, both in the Church of the Nazarene and as a Free Methodist and a couple other places, I spent the first two decades to, of my life going to church twice every Sunday, once on Sunday morning and once on oh, Sunday night. True. So, like, I'm like, to me, it's hilarious that people are, are thinking, "Oh, this is so much church." I'm like, dude, we did Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday every week yeah, for just, the just first 20 of my life.
16: Being evangelical, like in the 90s, and you know, this <laughs> was your every Sunday, and, and somehow we survived. Well,
5: we got some good readings coming up uh, through the fourth Sunday of Advent and through the uh, Christmas Eve, uh, the vigil. There, uh, have you? Gravitated toward any one particular reading because you've got a lot of them coming up. Because you've got your own, you got a whole set of readings that are different for Christmas morning as well.
16: Sure, absolutely. So I think, you know, um, the, the theme that, that sort of always sticks out to me as we get into the, the fourth Sunday of Advent, and we're, we're going to hear about this where, um, where David uh, in the Old Testament uh, has a desire to build God a house. I think this is an interesting, interesting moment, because he says, you know, I, I want to build the Lord a house. And then God says, e- easy there, chief. Like, I don't, I don't need your help. Yeah, I don't need you to build me a house. In fact, and then he, the Lord kind of turns it around and says, I, I'm going to build you a house, meaning a line, a lineage. Um, and I'm going to raise up one after you, and of course it's a prophecy of our Lord, but I think what's, what's significant there, and then of course we're going to hear um, the story of the Annunciation, what's significant is this idea that we come ultimately longing for our redemption empty-handed, as empty-handed as, as a virgin womb. And I'm always drawn on the Fourth Sunday of Advent to, to the mystery of the virgin birth. Because what what that what that does not mean is that somehow um sexuality is, is bad or evil. Uh in fact it's it's created, it's created good, and it's the most human natural thing in the world. But of course, this birth was to be something more more than human, more than natural. And, and the fact that it's a virgin birth points to the reality that this is not a human work, right? This is not simply a fruit of the love between Mary and Joseph, which is what it would be if, if our world was born in a normal human way. But rather, this is going to be the fruit of, of ultimately God's charity, of His love towards us. And so that that's what, in a sense, connects that Old Testament reading where it's, where it's man saying, well, I'm going to do this thing for God. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to do this thing for you. It's going to be my work and you're going to receive it in the emptiness of, of, of a virgin womb, empty handed. You know, that's how we receive our redemption. We receive it as, as ultimately as a gift, you know, it's a gift that we have to be open to and receive, but it's still a gift. And I think that's the thread, um, that ties the readings, and especially for the Fourth Sunday of Advent, this idea of we are recipients of this of this amazing redemption.
5: Well, the Church, uh, I mean, we we're recipients of it individually, right? But we're recipients of it as a Church, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talk about the Church as mother, uh, also, who receives this fruitfulness uh, the, through the unmerited favor of God. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is—we did not— I mean, there are things that we do, right? We are called to live virtuous virtuous lives, but but even looking back to to our own baptism and those of us who've baptized our children as babies, right? Like the baby does nothing <laughs> to earn any of this, right? This this free unmerited thing. Um, Mary quite literally does nothing to get pregnant, right? And yet this free unmerited thing, um, it is a it is a stunning, a stunning. Uh, concept to ponder uh because i think that we all want to bring a whole bunch of stuff to god bring a whole bunch of things and act like we've done
1: like
16: david we want to build him we want to build something for him i'll do this thing for you
5: yeah and uh at the end of the day it's about him doing things for us doing the thing for us so uh the thing of all things well father jonathan duncan thank you for helping us to get into this we'll be praying for you as you uh as you do the uh, the epic next three or four days of five hundred masses there in South Carolina, have a good one.
16: Thanks. Merry Christmas.
5: All right, Anna Mitchell, are you ready to uh, to sign off and send our sign off family for off
6: 2023? to a wonderful weekend? Yes. Have a very year. very merry Christmas, a blessed Christmas, everyone, and um, very much looking forward to another year of the Sunrise Morning Show in 2024
5: we'll be here with you uh and of course we'll be spending time with our families next week so you'll be catching the best of the sunrise morning show on uh these ewt there these are
6: shows that i mean if you're not um waking up early next week like i understand but if you are waking up early i know some people are like oh pre-recorded shows best of shows they're not all that yeah these but these are have really Jeff good Evans and dr john oh my Burisma gosh and dr
5: michael barger Barber. like
6: Dive uh, into the rich, rich theology of the nativity next week.
5: There's a lot.
6: There's a lot.
5: There's a lot. So check it out. In the meantime, have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.